you get your Bibles out with you, with me, if you don't mind, turn the book of Galatians while you're doing that. I don't know if you heard about the little boy. He was on the front steps of the house, and a salesman came up and said, is your mom home? He goes, yes, sir. So he walked up to the steps, up to the steps, and up to the front door, knocked on the door. No one came to the door, knocked some more. No one came to the door, knocked a few more times. No one came to the door, finally came back down the steps and said, son, I thought you said your mom was home. He said, she is. He said, well, how come she's not coming to the door? He said, because I don't live here. I live down there. <laughs> come on, someone. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you came to the right place today. We're going to jump into the Word. We've been talking about upgrades recently, having a good time in that conversation. Someone asked me this morning, when are we going to be talking about self-control? And... Um, I thought that was it. Now that's one of those that, that we're going to save to the very last, you know? So you're going to have to develop a little self-control before we get to self-control, all right? Hopefully by that time you'll have some self-control. But we've been talking about upgrades, which nothing more than the nine different characteristics or fruits of the Spirit that you receive the moment you receive Christ into your heart. You receive in seed form the very upgrades or the fruits of the Spirit. There's actually nine of them. They're found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. We're going to read them as we have the last several weeks together, believing that by uh, rote memory, you're going to be able to come up with these on your own and get inside of your head. head. So why don't we just read this together? Can we do that as one great church? But the fruit of the Spirit... All right, well, I'm not going to spend a lot of time reviewing this morning. Obviously, we've covered a lot of ground the last six weeks, and so we're just going to jump into our um, word for today, and the word for today is gentleness, the fruit of the Spirit, the upgrade of gentleness. Gentlemen, how many have ever been around somebody, maybe you've been at Walmart or something like that, and you've seen um, maybe a, a lady um, holding their child, and, and it's, maybe it's a young baby, and it's just as they're holding it, you just, like the head's like falling off her arm, and you, you're like, you, I, I've been in that situation, I want to go rescue the little child from the abrasive treatment that her, you know, nonchalant mother perhaps is, treat, is treating this little baby. Maybe you've been in a situation where you feel a little child is, you know, being hurt or harmed because of someone's, um, you know, just rudeness or someone's uh, callousness or harshness and something rises up within you. Why? Because we have this upgrade, this spirit that wants to be uh, gentle, wants to show gentleness, wants to receive gentleness. We, we don't like to be treated rough. Come on, somebody. Yeah, you, you just If you're going to love me, love me gently. Come on, somebody. Uh, we love to sit on the front porch and watch a gentle rain, right? Uh, we run inside and it starts getting hard. We, we love gentleness. We're attracted to gentleness. And, and there's something about a person whose life is lived out from a posture of gentleness. And I want to encourage us and remind us this morning that you have inside of you a gentle heart. I love, uh, you know, being around some people I've met before, and, and uh, someone will describe a big, big, burly guy, and they say, he may look big and tough, but he's a gentle giant. I, and, and I believe inside you, you are a gentle giant. God has put inside of you this quality, this ingredient called gentleness. 
I know when I was a young boy, I was about seven years old, my parents wanted to take me horseback riding. So we went up until we lived in Colorado, went up to the mountains and went to the stable and they, you could rent horses and for the day. And so um, they were sizing up everybody and they came to me and I'm looking up, this big old huge thing looked like an elephant. And uh, he said, son, have you ever ridden a horse before? And I said, no, sir. And he said, well, we're going to give you Star right here. Star is going to be your horse. And they pointed to this little brown horse, a little white spot. I said, how come, how come I get Star and not these other horses? He said, because Star is the most gentle horse we have. I'm like, okay, I want gentle. I want gentle. I'll take gentle. Amen. We like gentlemen. My, my grandfather, my grandfather, he, he would kind of married into the family and he never had kids of his own. And, and my grandfather was, um, he was a barber and very strong hands. I mean, strong hands. And I would go over to his house to visit and, and I would sit beside him and, and out of nowhere, he would just like, just, we'd be just talking or just watching TV or something. All of a sudden he'd just go like this and reach over and grab right above my kneecap and his thumb and his uh, index finger would like touch, you know, somewhere underneath my kneecap. And he would make this like sound like of a cat, like, <laughs> like that. And I would fall out of the couch, the chair, roll around. He never would let go, no matter where my knee was at. And he kept making that noise for about 30 seconds. I was crying and laughing at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? Just painful, painful. And, and my grandmother could hear in the, in the background, and he never paid attention to her, but he, she would say, Perry, stop, stop. You're being too rough. You're being too rough. I'm like, yes, you're too rough. You're too rough. Oh, and yet when my own kids got older, I did the same thing to them, right? I, I don't know why. Just rough, just, just rough. My grandfather, he, he was funny. He, everything could be fixed by one or two things, either duct tape or a ball-peen hammer. I mean, was, uh, that's what he had. He kept it in his truck of his car. And if anything broke down, he would beat it or tape it. And if it didn't work, it was broken. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Throw it away, no good to anybody. Rough, just rough, just rough. I like gentle. I like gentle. Sometimes my wife accuses me of being too rough. And um, I, I say, well, God's given me the assignment to toughen you up. But I, I, I think, though, there's some quality about being gentle that um, is, is a good quality. It's a good quality. Gentleness. Uh, another word would be meekness as well. But let's look at the definition, perhaps, of gentleness this morning. Uh, you can write this down if you're taking notes. The humble approach toward others that does not seek to be superior in word or deed. The humble approach towards others that does not seek to be superior in word or deed. Uh, meekness is also, again, a word that would define gentleness. This word is used interchangeably, the same, the same word. And that would be a word we would describe as controlled strength or strength that's under control. Strength that's under controlled. You know, you can go out into the prairie and you can get a wild horse and you can take this strong wild horse and bring him into the pen and you can break that horse. And after a time, that wild horse becomes useful and you can ride him, you can you know, plow perhaps with the horse. Uh, same, same horse 
wild out there, not useful, now tamed, very useful. Strong out there, still strong today, but useful here, not useful there. God can't use a, a rude, abrasive a person, but God can use a gentle person. And I think some of us need to find the brokenness that God's talking about and allow him to make us gentle. And let me just say this, that when you talk about gentleness or meekness, when you use the word meekness, many times people think, well, you're just a doormat. You're just a person that people walk all over. You're just the meekest little mouse around. Well, let me tell you something. Meekness does not mean weakness. Meekness is controlled strength. You are very strong. In fact, you could take them out right now. But you choose not to because you're under control. You're control of your emotions. Gentleness means that you are always in control of your emotions. Oh, yeah. Let me just say it one more time. <laughs> you are always in control of your emotions. Now, if you had a little gentleness meter and zero being no control of your emotions and 10 being always in control, I wonder where you would land. And in fact, I encourage you to ask someone or a few people that know you very well and say, hey, where do I land in the gentleness meter? And just, you know, and, and, and listen, when, when they say three or two, don't punch them in the face. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> you got to learn to be gentle, right? Just accept the fact, you know, whatever they say and, and let that be an indication. Maybe I, maybe I need to work on this a little bit. Gentleness. Let's talk about gentleness for a few minutes this morning, the bonuses of gentleness. Number one, gentleness, will it will dispel disputes. It dispels disputes. Proverbs 51, you've heard this maybe before in your life. Let's recall it again. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. There's a vaccine for anger. We're looking for a vaccine now, so fast. We're like just doing whatever we can. We got, got, to, we got to get a vaccine. We got to get a vaccine. Well, you can get the vaccine and pump it into your system all you want, but you're still going to be the rotten snake you were before. Come on. Still a mean man. Still a mean woman. You, we, what's the vaccine for anger? What's the vaccine for being mean? Well, here it is. It's gentleness. Do you know, scientifically, your brain has what we call, and they've discovered, mirrored neurons. Mirrored neurons. It's called the cognitive neuroscience. And these neurons literally cause a person to tend to mirror back to the person that they're in the presence of the very thing that the person they're in the presence of is acting like. In other words, if the person that you're in the presence of is becoming all angry and upset, then you mirror that back to them. They're all depressed, discouraged, down and out. You could be having a great day, coming to their presence, and then suddenly you're all down and out. It's called mirrored neurons. You are responding to what you're seeing. And so that's important to understand because when, when a person comes into your presence and they start raising their voice at you, your tendency, your Mirrored neurons start firing off on all cylinders and you start raising your voice. 
And then they raise their voice, and you raise your voice, and they raise their voice. And, and next thing you know, you're having a big knockdown drag out after a one minute conversation because you're mirroring their same emotion that they're displaying to you. So the good news is you don't have to do that. In fact, here's the tip. When someone comes and they start raising their voice at you, here's what you do. You lower yours. George, you forgot to take the trash out again last night. I'm sorry, Susie. I'll do better. Well, you can't fight with that. What do you do with that? Now, if he yells back, then you're on. Come on, we're all on. We're, we're going back and forth. And we'll go from the trash and talk about something else and then the finances and then the kids. And we're just going to go back and forth and we'll have a good time doing it. Whoever yells the loudest wins. Listen, if yelling worked, then we would all have just laryngitis all the time. Come on, if, if yelling worked, then we, we would learn how to, 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 you know, to, to, to manipulate people by the volume of our voice. And the loudest voice wins. I, I'm here to tell you that you can turn away a harsh word by a gentle voice. And it's possible to do. Wouldn't it be fun just to torment a person like that by just responding with gentleness, with soft voice, and just watch him be tormented? Oh, come on now. Look at this, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 4. If a, ruler's anger against, if a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. In other words, don't go on the offensive. Don't go aggressive. Don't, don't, don't go kamikaze. Don't go ape on them as well. Just, just calmness can lay great offenses to rest. Just respond in calmness. So gentleness dispels disputes. Are there a lot of arguments going on in your environment? Well, maybe it's because somebody's not gentle. Hello. There's a lot of arguing, criticizing, headbutting going on. Then that means gentleness needs to be found in your midst. Number two, gentleness disarms critics. It disarms critics. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but we live in a world where there's a lot of angry people. And you're probably watching the television set and seeing some things happening on the streets and people are throwing things into windows and looting and robbing and things like that. And I would imagine that a large majority of them don't even know why they're even out on that street. They're just getting all riled up because everybody else is riled up. And if you were to pull them aside and go, why are you down here, you know, getting all riled up? They'd probably not even know what to say. Because, you, because there is a, there's a thing called anger addiction. And there are people in this earth, and you may know a few, who are addicted to being angry. And the reason they uh, have this anger problem is because they are so dead on the inside that the only time they feel like they're alive is when they blow up. You get upset, get up your face, and their face turns red, their neck goes all, all the veins pop out of their neck, and then they're feeling like, whoa, yes, I'm alive. That's <laughs> the only time they feel their emotions, when they're angry. And then they try to, pull you into it. And then they get on social media and they start trolling 
You know what trolling means? Like you put a line out there and, and you just kind of wait for something to hit it. <laughs> and they throw that line out there and they say something stupid, something dumb, something idiotic. And they're like waiting, just waiting for someone just to say something. And then here you go, you're flipping through your little Facebook, you're having a little cup of coffee, and, you're having, and you see one of your friends says something's totally stupid, and you're like, you know what, I need to set them straight. I'm just going <laughs> to... And you send it, and the guy, on the, the person on the other end is like, yes! I got one, and here we go. The next hour of your life, you're going back and forth with an idiot who's got an anger addiction problem and who's not going to change. And you think for some reason what you have to say is going to change him. Mm. I was talking with, so we had like a men's Bible study on Monday morning and we were talking and one of, one of the guys was being uh, chided because uh, the, of the bucket story. They kept telling, they kept bringing up the bucket story. And I said, I don't, I don't know what y'all are talking about. What's this bucket story, y'all? And uh, he was like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. No, 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 let's talk about it. Uh, tell me the bucket story. He goes, well, we were having a deep sea fishing thing. We were going to spend the night out on the, in the Gulf. And so I was trying to get some sleep and they were trolling for some something, you know. And, and next thing you know, they woke me up and said, come, you got to help us out. We hooked into something. It's big. It's big. And so he, he jumped up to help him. He got that rod and he's cranking that thing in. He's working the muscles. His back's got, about to get out, be thrown out of place. He's working. He's pulling that thing. He's working. And then it drags out some more and he pulls it and it drags. It took him 30 minutes. He said, finally, I pulled in a five-gallon bucket. They put a five-gallon bucket on the, on the end and then woke him up. And he'd been working that whole time for a bucket. <laughs> he thought he had landed something, but he thought he was under something. And it was a bucket. And that's what happens when you, when you, when you get on the, on the phone and social media, you start interacting you know, with somebody on the job who's got anger addiction problems, and you think you're going to set them straight. You're just reeling in an old bucket. 1 Corinthians 4.13, when we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are insulted, we answer with kind words. This is called counterculture. You know, the world doesn't do that. But you get the opportunity because it's inside of you to answer with kind words. You have it inside of you when someone's literally cussing you out, just ripping you up calling you everything in the book. Now they're moved on to your mama and they're calling your mama things and you get to stand there and smile and respond with calm, loving words. Mm. Gentleness disarms critics. The Bible says in Titus 2.8, young men, it's talking to young men, in all things, showing yourself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. Sound speech. What is sound speech? If you look it up in the original language, it literally means this, words that restores someone's health. God has given you the gift to be able to not listen to what they say, but listen to why they are saying it. 
And you now not only not do you, you don't respond to necessarily what they're saying, but you respond to the root issue that's going on inside. It's really not about the kids. It's really about your fear that your kids are going to grow up and become a numbskull. That's what it is. But you're angry and you're there. She's angry at you because you're not doing enough to correct them. Maybe there's a bigger issue going on than just what you're hearing and what God is challenging us to do is to tap into the gentle spirit that's inside of us and not respond and attack back, but to see what is, say, Holy Spirit, what is going on in their heart so I can respond in a way that my words will bring healing to the real issue that they're facing. Come on. You have that gift, that opportunity, that privilege is inside of you. Look at this, um, 2 Timothy 2.24. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. <laughs> have you ever been in a stupid argument? I've been in stupid arguments. And I've argued and argued, and then I got to thinking, what are we even arguing about? Have you ever been there? You just argue, argue. You you slammed doors. You walked out. You've draw, driven off. You you've slept in your car because you're not going back. And when you think about it, you can't remember why you're even arguing. You're just upset. Don't do anything. Don't have anything to do with foolish, stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And guess what? Guess, get this. And the Lord's servant, how many are the Lord's servant? Raise your hand. I'm a Lord's servant. All right. Must not be quarrelsome, but must, must, everybody say must. Must, must be kind to every other person. No. To what? Everyone. To what? You said it. You're the one who said that. You must be kind. You must be kind to everyone. Well, yeah, but you don't know. No. You must be kind. But they're an idiot. But you must be kind. But they pulled out in front of me. I was going. They saw me coming and they pulled. You must be kind. They're a, they're a Muslim. You got to be kind. They're, uh, they're an atheist. You must be kind. They're a Republican. You must be kind. They're a Democrat. You must be kind. They're a Libertarian. You must be kind. They're, they're, they're an they're a insane Black Friday shopper. You must be kind. They're a butt in line person. You must be kind. They're a, uh, they're a, they're a, they're an imbecile. They're, they're a smart aleck kid. They're a slow driver. They're a mean neighbor. They're a neighbor that has a dog that messes in my yard every day. You must be. <laughs> Hello, neighbor. Thank you for the deposit today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, you're, you're, you're not given a pass. None of us in this room are given a pass. I am not given a pass to quarrel and to argue. I, I, I don't have that permission. As a pastor, as a leader, 
I don't have that permission. But just as a servant of the Lord, I don't have that permission. Forget the fact that I'm a pastor or, or whatever. You, you don't have that either. We don't have the permission given us by the word of God. Can, can you imagine Jesus walking around arguing with everybody? Well, you're just a stinking Pharisee. What do you know? You're just a dumb little Sadducee. What in the world do you know? Let me tell you something. Here, let me tell you. Let me, let me, let me give you a piece of God's mind. No, he, he, never, he never quarreled. He never argued. Number three, gentleness is persuasive. Proverbs 25, 15, through patience, a ruler. Anytime you see the word ruler in the Old Testament, you can put the word boss. It'd be the same as the word boss today. Through patience, a boss can be persuaded. And a gentle tongue can break a bone or a rigid defense. Hmm. Telling a person all the things they're doing wrong doesn't change them. Nagging a person doesn't change them. Proverbs 16, 21, the wise of heart is called discerning and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. You can persuade someone to change and to, and to become what you're asking them to become, not by yelling, screaming, but by persuasive speech that comes from a gentle heart. Gentleness, it's powerful. Number four, gentleness. Are we in number four? Okay, number four. Gentleness is attractive. Gentleness is attractive. Here's a law of life. A law of life. I attract the kind of people that I am. That's a law of life. I don't need to know anything about you. I can tell all the things I need to know about you without you being in the room if I never met you because I can just look at your friends. You've heard me say that before. I attract who I am. If you have a bunch of abrasive friends, you need to probably look at yourself. If you have a bunch of people that you associate with that are very rude in your circle, your sphere of influence, rude and um, irresponsible and uncaring and insensitive, that's a good indication that you probably are the same. Oh, I know it's tight, but it's right. <laughs> I've, 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 I've had conversations with single young guys, you know, and they're single, and they're looking for a woman, looking for that right, that right woman. And uh, I want to give the, the young men in the house that are single and watching online as well, I want to give you six ingredients that will cause a woman to fall in love with you. These are the six ingredients, men, that you have right here, sitting here, that your, your spouse fell in love with you. Here we go. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. And here we go, six things. Pursue, everybody say righteousness. righteousness. Pursue a godly life. Along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. These are the six things that every woman absolutely loves. Men, I'm telling you, if you will just operate in these six things, she can't help herself but absolutely swoon every time you walk into the room. 
a righteousness about you. You do the right things. You do right things, a righteousness, a godly life. You're not worldly. You, 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 you're, not, you're not going and, and trying to bar hop every single weekend and try to find the, the next thing the world has to offer you are counterculture. You live a godly life. You, you find your space filled with things that uh, build your spirit up. You live a life that's filled with faith. In other words, you hope and your conversation is filled with things that uh, have not yet happened, but you believe are going to happen because you're believing and for those things to happen. You have this love about you where you give without expecting a return. You just love to give and you persevere. You don't give up. And lastly, you are gentle. You have a gentleness. These six incredible ingredients are what any woman would ever give herself for, a man like that. In fact, we even labeled a term that is outdated now, but it used to be something we referred to quite often called being a gentleman. A gentleman. My parents would raise me and they, they would say, son, we're going in that restaurant and you're going to be a gentleman. You understand? I said, yes, sir. That means when we get at that front door, you're going to go ahead of us and you're going to open the door for your mama. You get that? Yes, sir. You're going to be a gentleman. And when we go into that restaurant, we're going to sit at the table. You're going to pull that seat out, that, that seat for your mama, and you're going to push it back in for you. You understand that? I said, yes, sir. He goes, because you're going to be a gentleman. And you're going to sit there and you're going to be quiet until you're asked questions. And then when you respond, you're going to respond, yes, sir, and no, ma'am. Is that understood? I said, yes, sir. He goes, you know why you're going to do that? I said, why? He says, because I'm teaching you how to be a gentle man. How many ladies would love a gentle man? Come on, you give anything for a gentle man. Woo! Come on, man. I'm, I'm helping you out right here. I'm helping you out. Now, listen, full disclosure, we can't pass up the women. So it's not all but so first Peter chapter three, verse four, it talks about the women. It says the same goes for you, wives. Be good wives to your husbands, responsive to their needs. There are husbands who, indifferent as they are to any words about God, will be captivated by your life of holy beauty. Now here we go. Ladies, what matters? is not your outer appearance, the styling of your hair, the jewelry you wear, the cut of your clothes, but your inner disposition. And listen to this, look at this. Cultivate, ladies, inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. What am I saying? I'm saying, ladies, gentleness is a beauty all of its own that outshines the nicest little dress you just bought or the outfit for that little evening out that you're going to go on. It is the gentleness of your spirit, of your heart, that draws people to you. Number five, gentleness communicates love. When you're gentle with someone, you are telling them, showing them that you love them. In fact, the best way, men, to improve your marriage is to just talk with more gentleness. Just talk with more gentleness. I think there's not a man in this room that couldn't 
probably learn to do a little bit better in your vocabulary, in your disposition with your spouse or your friends with a little bit more gentleness in your conversation. Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Fathers, the same goes with you and mothers. Watch your tone. Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them, taking them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. You know, before every flight, if you go onto a plane, you're going to sit there and odds are they're going to say the same thing over and over again that you've heard over and over again. A flight attendant's going to stand there with a little seatbelt and then she's going to have this little string with a little cup on it. It's going to fall out of the ceiling in case of emergency. It's going to call oxygen. You put it on and you put it around your head and then you turn and you do the same for your child. First time I ever heard that, I thought, well, that's interesting. Why, why wouldn't I not put the auction on my child first and then myself? They're teaching me how to be selfish. That's not right. Well, no, there's a reason why they say that because you can't help your child if you can't breathe. If you're going to help your little junior, you've got to be able to breathe first. So you put it on first, then take the one for little junior. What does that mean? It means that little junior takes his clues and lives by the example he sees by mom and dad. If you have an angry, hate-filled little child, then maybe he's taking his cues from... Mm. It's called mirroring. Maybe they're just mirroring what they're seeing happen in the home. Y'all weren't ready for me this morning. You, you weren't ready. Y'all came in all happy, but you weren't ready. You weren't ready. Listen, you can set the whole tone of the house by your gentle spirit. It doesn't have to be crazy all the time like maybe it is. Have you ever been in someone's home and it's like, this is chaos gone mad. I got to get out of here just to get my sanity. Have you ever been one person? I've been in places like that. You can change that by a gentle spirit. Number six, here we go. Gentleness earns respect. Mother Teresa, she... She wasn't a ruler of a country, didn't have a, a title, just a mother. Just a woman that loved God. Could walk into the United Nations and everybody showed her respect. Why? Because she was gentle. The greatest leaders of our world have always been gentle people. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., Mahatma Gandhi. These people were gentle people and yet they had so much influence. You don't have to be a screamer and a yeller and rude and, and, and mean to get your way. All you have to do is be gentle. And it's right here inside of you. Well, well, Pastor, who's the most gentle person in the Bible? Well, other than Jesus, the Bible describes two people, only two people that were gentle. One being Jesus and the other being, guess who? Moses. Moses. In fact, it tells us in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, that Moses was very meek. In fact, of all the men which are on the face of the earth, he was the meekest of all. Let's say it again. What is meekness? Strength under control. Control of his emotions. 
Well, Pastor, when I read the Bible and I see stories of Moses, I see that that's probably not true. It seems to me like he had an anger management problem. And my answer to you is, you're correct. He did. Well, how can someone with an anger management problem be called the meekest man in the earth at his time and his generation? Well, look at what he did. I mean, he, he went off the handle and he killed an Egyptian um, uh, uh, leader, you know, because he was beaten on one of the Hebrew slaves. He got thrown out of Egypt as a result, ran for his life. Then he turns around and, and uh, he, he's on a mountain, gets the Ten Commandments written on the tablets by God himself, comes down the mountain. They made a golden uh, idol while he was gone. And what does he do? He gets angry, throws down the tablets that God wrote the commandments on. And God's like, seriously? You're back up on the mountain. We're doing this again. You're riding them this time. Then he, he instead, of, instead of speaking to the rock like God told him to because they needed water, he hits the rock and God goes, you know what? For that one, Moses, you're not going into the promised land. You can lead them all the way to the very edge, but you can't go in. You ruined the type of shadow right there. We can't let you go in. But yet this guy, this guy who flew off the handle from time to time is called the meekest man in the earth. Well, to some degree, you got to give him credit because he was able to maneuver three million employees through a very bad situation. But here's the key why he was called meekest. is because he was teachable. And when he messed up, he confessed it and asked God for forgiveness. And God turned around and changed his emotions. That's why he was called the meekest man on the earth. That gives me hope. Doesn't it give you hope? Yeah, yeah, maybe you flew off the handle before and maybe you've been known for your fiery temper, but guess what? God can change that and is changing that. Number seven, gentleness affects unbelievers. Do you know that if people like what they see, then they will listen to what I say. You can affect unbelievers that don't know Christ by your gentleness. And number eight, and we'll have the worship team, if you wouldn't mind coming as we get ready to close this morning. Number eight, gentleness makes me like Jesus. Hmm. Now, I like that one. Look at Matthew chapter 11, 28 and 29. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and do what? Learn. Everybody say Learn. Learn from me. Jesus says, I want, you, I want you to learn something from me. What do we got to learn? This is what he says. I am gentle. Learn, he says, learn this. I'm a gentle man. I'm gentle. I'm not going to, you don't see me walking around yelling, screaming, and being rude to people. I'm gentle. And I'm humble in my heart. And if you'll do these things, you'll find rest for your souls. Is it possible that the reason you're stressed out, you haven't found rest for your souls? Is it, reason, is it, is it possible that the reason that you are weary and you feel like you can't go on much longer, is it possible that the reason you're weary, stressed out, anxious, all keyed up all the time is because you've not learned to be gentle. Because you're always trying to control people, control situations, control the environment around you instead of 
reacting from a gentle heart, you feel like you got to make things happen. And you're worn out. You can't control nobody. No one's doing what you're supposed, they're supposed to be doing according to you. Could it be that gentleness is the key? And the answer is yes. That is the key. And last thing, we're done. Gentleness will open doors for you. It will. Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek. Why? For the, they'll inherit the earth. The meek, those that control their emotions, those that know what you got inside, but you're not going to lash out. You are the ones that inherit the earth. What's that mean, inherit the earth? In other words, doors are open for you. You receive the favor of God. Things begin to open up that wouldn't open up for others. And there's only one reason why they're opening up for you and not, not that guy down the street. It's because you've learned to be gentle. You have established the value of walking with a meekness, a controlled strength. Yeah, I can lash out at you. Yeah, I can let you have it. Yeah, you probably even deserve it. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to respond with a gentle heart, with kind words, with a loving spirit. And you do that over time, you will find yourself seeing doors fly open for you. The meek will inherit the earth. Mm. Can we all stand to our feet this morning as we close? I'm so thankful for the upgrade of gentleness. Mm. I'm thankful that God handles me gently. I'm thankful that God treats me with gentleness. I bruised reed. I bruised reed a smoking flax. Scripture says he will not despise. In other words, you've been hurt, you've been wounded, you've gone through some stuff. And God doesn't come along and go, come on, suck it up. Get over it. Just a little bruise. No. A bruised reed he will not break. Smoking flax he won't snuff out. He comes along and he gently picks you up, breathes into your life afresh, and away you go. We have a gentle God. Mm. Thank you for your gentle. Can we just close our eyes and for just for a moment? I just love the privilege and the honor just to lead us in a prayer. Again, can we just... Um, put our hands out in front of us in the posture of receiving like we're receiving from the Lord. Father, today we thank you for gentleness, the upgrade that we sure don't deserve, but the capacity that's inside of us to live this life not anxious and keyed up and trying to manipulate people into doing what we want them to do. But Lord, just simply living with gentle, soft words, kindness, gentleness, gentleness. Thank you, Jesus, for the challenge you gave us.
to learn from you to be gentle. Thank you, Paul, for the commendation that we must show kindness to everyone. Thank you, Father, for bringing us to a place called kindness and gentleness. Thank you for that. Forgive us, Father, and in our homes, we haven't perhaps been gentle enough. We've been a little abrasive, spoken harshly to our children, to our spouse. Father, we ask you to forgive us of that and to restore gentleness back to our heart, our spirit. People won't be afraid to be around us. People actually look forward to when we walk into the room. That you'll give us the skill to just be able to speak the very words of healing that brings life into people's hearts. Thank you for that. We praise you. Give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Oh, man, I'm thankful for the fruit of gentleness. Isn't that a great upgrade? Come on, church. Isn't that a great upgrade? Mm. Thank you, Father. Amen.